Hi, Life on Earth listeners. My name is Nicole Levine, and I'm one of the managers at The Space in Raw Republic. I recently went to Okeechobee Music Festival in Florida, where I took an astral travel class with David Rodriguez, and I thought he would be wonderful for our Life on Earth podcast community. I hope you all enjoy. Welcome to Life on Earth, the Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hello, welcome to Life on Earth podcast. Thank you so much uh, for being here. And, and hello to all of the nis- listeners. Thank you, Dave. Uh, hey, oh, thank you. Oh, hi, um, I'm Nicole. And this is my first time on this podcast or in a second time on any podcast. So, <laughs> um, I was at Okeechobee Fest and I was at in your astral travel uh, session. And after it, I thought you were so amazing. And I thought Natalie should get to talk to you. I thought you would. So, yeah. Why don't we do like a little introduction um, about you, if you don't mind. Can you tell us a little bit, the listeners, about yourself, your full name, and what do you do? Sure. Uh, My name is David Andrew Rodriguez. I go by the writer's name or an alternative name as the Water Magister. Uh, it's M-A-G-I-S-T-E-R. It means teacher or master of something. So water representing the element of emotion. I, uh, it's a name that came to me in meditation. Um, and I teach meditation. I teach Ashtanga yoga. I teach astral projection, out-of-body experiences. Um, I teach ritual magic and sigil magic as well. Um, utilizing different frameworks to solidify beliefs so that you can begin creating the reality that you want to create in your life. Um, I actually just received in the mail right before you called um, my book that I published uh, 12 days ago and I ordered copies of it. And I'm super excited because I open the box and I look at it and I'm holding it in my hand and I feel this surge of emotion because it's something that I had to fight a lot internally to actually create that I had a a belief that by me publishing my book I would physically die and it was an irrational fear that I had to overcome well super congratulations on that because I know that that's a huge awesome accomplishment thank you for that and yeah the many things that I do is I, I go to different festivals I teach at different festivals I taught at Okeechobee it was my third year Okeechobee Fest in Florida um, I am teaching at Envision uh, next year. Uh, I actually went to Costa Rica this year at Envision to um, make acquaintances and make contacts so I can teach next year. That was my intention, the going, and I created that, and I ha- it, it happened. Um, so, yeah, life is just flowing, and I, I had to allow myself to really receive what I'm receiving now. So... Um a couple of things that I wanted to ask you and tell you. Um, I did not know that you teach Ashtanga. I love Ashtanga. I'm also like a Ashtanga practitioner, taught Ashtanga for many years. Now I teach Vinyasa Flow Yoga, but I love the practice of, you know, um, it's awesome. And so you teach meditation, Ashtanga, you're a yoga teacher, you do a, 
do a lot of stuff, but they're all connected, right? Oh, yes. They're, I think they're all part of the same puzzle piece. And in order to understand more about who you are, you take on these different tools or you learn these different tools so that you can unlock different versions of yourself. So, uh, David, when you meant, like, I had to allow myself to, you know, to get here, What can you please explain to us and a Life on Earth community, like, what I feel like I kind of know, but it, it would be very interesting to hear your story. Like, what do you mean, like, allow yourself? Well, if everything is a self-created reality and we all live in our own individual bubbles of reality, experiencing the same thing but different perspectives, when you realize you create your reality, you have to start taking ownership of things that happen externally of you. And in order to do that, you have to go through self-worth issues, you have to go through trauma issues, you have to go through things that saying, oh, you don't deserve this, you don't deserve that. And I had to do a lot of work with myself to show myself that I, I am capable of creating things and receiving things um, and being okay with that. Being okay with, it's okay to receive things. It's okay to gift things. And that was a strong battle for myself uh, being in, in the spiritual community because there is some aspects of business in spiritual community and the things that I do, it can be considered a business. So there's a lot of people in the spiritual community that say, oh, well, why do you charge for this service and this service? And it's like, I mean, I have to be able to continue doing this with the way that I'm doing it in order to do that there has to be some type of energy energetic exchange and there's been many times where I give free sessions to people or physical objects to people that represent certain things but the majority I'd say 70 percent of the time I do ask for uh, an energy exchange of some sort so I had to be okay with charging the amount that I charge and there's a funny story with that self-worth in it when I went through my depression, which is why I even started this whole spiritual quest, I guess you could say, um, I was working a nine-to-five job, and I was so tired of doing the same mundane thing. And this, that was up, up until I was like 28. And finally, something happened at work where the person is just like, you know, um, well, I asked if I can go to leave work early to take my pet to the vet. And then the the female manager kind of cursed at me on the phone. And I, that was when I stood my ground and I stood up for my worth because I said to her, if you're going to talk to me this way, I quit. And I had so much fear and I didn't even knew, like I didn't even mean to say those words that come, it came out of my mouth. And I only had like $2,000 saved. And um, from that moment, I declared I am worth $50 an hour. And what ended up happening happening is the male manager called me on Monday and he sat me down for lunch and he's like, look, I want to, I want to, I want you to come back to us. And I'm like, no, I want to work for myself now. I want to create the life that I personally want to create. And once I stated that I want $50 an hour and I was okay with it within myself, not having any type of judgment, oh, you're going to charge $50 an hour type of thing. Once I was okay with it internally, it was reflected externally with him and he said, okay, I'll hire you as a contractor for $50 an hour as an IT consultant for my company. And that was when I began noticing that I create my reality based on my belief system. And then from that, I started hearing voices that guided me and I thought I was going crazy. Um, but those voices guided me to meditate, to do yoga. My first style of yoga was Kundalini yoga, which is so amazing. 
I did Kundalini yoga for an entire year. Um, I like combining Kundalini yoga with Ashtanga because Kundalini is like the feminine aspect and Ashtanga is the masculine. So when you combine those two together, you get that balance and harmony. Sounds amazing. I also love that style of yoga. Yeah, so, I mean, what a journey. We we were looking at your website, and it's so awesome, too. I love your website. Thank you. Yeah, I made that website myself. I had to redo it because the previous version I had was not to my liking. I wanted to modernize it a little bit. It looks great. So tell us about the book, because it just came out, right? Yes, I, I just published it. Um, it, during my first year of, I guess, awakening, you could call it, like when I started questioning my life and realizing that I wasn't my thoughts, um, during that whole time, I journaled every single day. And there's a mode that I call it, I call it called the sponge mode. And in sponge mode, it's the very first time you start opening your eyes for real and you're looking at everything in your reality and you're like, what is this? Like, what is this? Why do I do that? Why do I do this? And you start questioning things and you start wanting to read and absorb anything and everything that you could possibly absorb. And during that first year, I dived into so many different modalities. I learned Reiki. I'm Reiki level two. Um, I went into meditation. I meditated every single day for about 30 minutes to two hours. And I increased it periodically until I reached to two hours. Um, and the book is basically the journal entries of the things that I've went through from my depression what I learned through the depression, how I took myself out of the depression, the different modalities that I learned, and the different experiences that I learned along the way, as well as poetry and channelings um, and, uh, and free spoken word. Okay, wow. That's awesome. So, um, Nicole, that's here, she went to an, uh, was it astral travel class? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for us yes. listeners, like for the listeners who are listening, and if there's anybody out there who has never heard of astral travel before, how, how would you um, describe that, that coming from you? Okay. Well, astral projection is another word for having an out-of-body experience. Typically, people have an out-of-body experience right before they die or right when they're getting in the car accident, and all of a sudden they jump out of their body and time slows down and they're witnessing everything happening very slowly. You can train yourself to do this utilizing either deep states of meditation, binaural beats, and the, I'm just mentioning different tools, uh, binaural beats, and also herbs. They're, all of those things that I mentioned are not required, but they are tools to gain those states of awareness so that you can learn how to do it without those specific tools. The main tool I recommend is meditation, which uh, the very simplest one that I've learned to do that with is um, it's called yoga nidra so yoga nidra essentially you can type it into to um no, youtube I teach yoga they, nidra. you do yeah and and for the listeners uh, go ahead i'm gonna let you do the description of it but uh we we actually have like a whole episode on yoga nidra as well but but i do want you to to continue what you were saying yeah i love you we love yoga nidra awesome yeah yoga nidra i came across it like coincidentally quote unquote um but uh it's essentially you focus your attention and your awareness on specific body parts and you keep your attention and awareness on there, which is essentially a dristy point for your mind so that if your mind gets pulled in different directions, oh, my loved one is doing this or financial issues, business issues, whatever it is, you bring your attention and your awareness back to the physical body part and you keep it at that body part. 
And what that does is eventually as you go through each body part, not only does it relax it because in your mind you can state mantras of saying relax and let go, but you're also training yourself to develop willpower, which willpower is the vital key to having an out-of-body experience. Without willpower, you will not experience an out-of-body because you have to be very deliberate with where your attention and your awareness is going. When you have an out-of-body experience, essentially what's happening is people have a misconception that your soul is leaving your body and that your soul is in the astral plane or in this other dimension, which is just a different frequency wave. But what really I feel is happening based on my experiences is that your attention and your awareness is no longer in the physical body. It is outside the physical body and you can maneuver your attention and your awareness throughout the any any plane that you want to go to. But the very first plane that you go to is the astral realm, is what I feel. Okay, so wonderful description, and I appreciate that. Now, if someone is thinking now maybe, why, why would I want to participate in such a practice? What are, are there any benefits? You know, what is the deal with, with this? I mean, there's a lot of talk about astral travel nowadays, and there's a lot of places, but... There are people who say, okay, what, why would I want to experience that? And so, Okay. Um, well, first, before I answer that question, I do want to state one last thing. is there, If you want to get into this practice after I describe why you would want to, there is an herb called mugwort, M-U-G-W-O-R-T. You can make that into a tea or you could smoke it. Um, there is a forewarning for women. If for whatever reason you're pregnant, please don't drink that tea or smoke it because it can cause complications. But a good side of mugwort is that it allows you to lucid dream, which is waking up inside of your dream and basically having full control of your dream itself. And the other plus side of it for women specifically is during your moon cycle, it will alleviate the symptoms of the crampings that you experience. Um, now, to answer your question, why would you want to have an out-of-body experience? Um, well, I mean, if you ever wanted to travel someplace and you don't have, and well, you're telling yourself you don't have the finances to travel someplace, that's one way of going someplace. You can come out of the physical body, go to that specific location, experience everything that there is to experience. Um, emotionally, what I like about astral projection or having an out-of-body experience is there's these things called thought forms. A thought form is a manifestation of an emotion. So throughout our physical existence in this human body that we have, there's many different emotions that we go through. And for the, the most part in society, we don't address the emotions. We bottle the emotions up, we sweep it under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. And we all know the more and more you do that, the louder and louder the external reflection gets created, meaning the next time you experience that same pattern, it'll be a lot stronger for you to pay attention to the emotion itself. So every time that you bottle up an emotion, you create these things called thought forms, and they are representations of the emotion in the astral plane. By having an out-of-body experience or astral projection, you are putting yourself in that space so that you can observe all the thought forms that you've been that you've been creating throughout your life, whether it be anger, resentment, jealousy, insecurity, um, self worth issues, and you'll see the representations of these thought forms there. And you can have the ability of healing those specific traumas instantaneously just by placing awareness on the balls and you, uh, balls of light um, or the thought forms, and you can heal that by giving love to it. 
which you can do the same exact thing within this human existence as well, but in that space, you can physically see it happening rather than using the imagination, which is our God gift, to uh, create and set intentions. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I Thank you for that as well. And I also feel like, and you can tell me how you think about this, but I also feel like it's just an amazing, it's so amazing to get a different perspective, you know, like when I, when I drop into like very deep levels of yoga nidra or something like that, and I can, I can sort of like see myself laying down and you can, you know, you can see yourself and you're like, wow, you know, there's so much more and there, the, the perspective really changes of, uh, of life, you know, too, and, and of the angles that we can look at different situations that we're in, you know? Yes, I agree. It gives, yeah, it gives you a whole new look on life and it's like, wow, okay, I'm not that physical body. I'm the awareness that's in the physical body. Right, which like a lot of times in meditation, you know, that teaches us too when we're sitting and we go, oh, here's this thought, you know, and you are not your thoughts, you're much deeper than your thoughts. And then you start coming into that place of like the pure, the essence of who you are, you know, and and how many of those thoughts are yours. And, and then you have also how many of those thoughts that are maybe from the collective consciousness that might not even belong to you, you know? And so um, I think it then brings us into a place of really co-creating our life, like co-creating with nature, you know, and becoming the creators of our own life versus like uh, just going along with like, you know, the like I wake up and then I do this and I like a, almost like robotic, you know, or like, so then you really kind of come into this place that you are in charge of whatever that you're going through in life, you know? Yep, I agree. Like you said, you manifested, you know, making the $50 when, just by creating that intention, but really having to feel it with your heart, mind's eye. And yes. You have to be very real about it. And I think that's what a lot of us get into the, the mistake of like saying, well, I'm going to create an intention or I really want something to matter. But then you, when you think about it, you don't even really believe in it. Like if I don't really believe that I can make the $50 now, then it's just not going to happen. You know, if there's an ounce of like uncertainty, you know? Yes. And that's exactly why I also uh, call myself a ritual mentor. So there's another class that I taught at Okeechobee Fest called um, the power in creating rituals. And typically when I say a ritual, People may think, oh, that's witchcraft or dark magic or black magic, white magic. Um, and essentially, logically, because I'm, I'm very logical. I, I'm, I still am very logical. I'm an IT consultant. I now have my own computer consulting business. And I've been doing this for the past five years. So before I even got into spirituality, I was very logical-minded. And the logical breakdown of what a ritual is, it's creating an action towards a set intention to solidify the belief in your mind that that said action is possible. So if you break down any type of ritual that any religion practices or any type of witchcraft does, like Santeria, that they have to, for whatever reason, hurt an animal to do certain things, it works for them because in their specific realities, they feel they have to go that far out to solidify the belief within their reality. But you can create a ritual every day by just drinking water and before you drink the water you say a certain affirmation or a certain thing a certain intention to the water and then you drink the water and now that water is inside of you and water is the element 
that is so it's a fluid element of course and it allows it's a medium so you can spe- you can specify any intention that you want into the water and if you think about your words your words are a frequency it's a vibration it's a number so when you speak it to the water you're programming the water with a specific memory a specific number and this is proven with Dr. Masuro Emoto if you haven't researched any Dr. Masuro Emoto's work I would highly recommend that you look into that and he talks about structured water and setting intentions in the water so not only that you then drink that frequency and since we are water beings 70 to 80% water we are now taking in that vibration so that we can resonate at that same vibration or frequency so that we can begin believing that said thing so just you're just using a ritual to solidify a belief which is what i teach as well is creating a sort of ritual for an individual person uh so that they can begin re- creating what it is that they want in their life I totally love that. I totally believe in that and I am a big fan of uh his work with the water and the crystals. Um I think what is his book name Messages in Water or Yes, Messages uh Messages of Water, I of believe. Water. Yeah, it's an amazing book. I definitely I also recommend everyone to check it out. But what you said right now, it's so powerful. You know, I think I would love to attend that workshop by the way. I'd love to attend all of them, but <laughs> um in particular because you know it's that intention and the idea that we our belief creates that ritual i give you guys it's something slightly different but i'll give you guys an example of something that i've um you know like i knew it conceptually but now i really know it so for example i'm a i'm also a reiki healer practitioner and so when i was i usually bring my crystals and i had have this crystal that i was very attached to and i really wanted uh this crystal in the session and i forgot it at home but when i got to the session um i thought about it and i said you know what i can connect to that frequency and i can bring that crystal in this room right now even though the crystal on a third dimensional level is not here okay so you really it takes that moment to really like close for me close my eyes connect with my heart and take that deep breath and and completely imagine it and visualize it and feel it and smell it and then bring that that crystal into the room and then bring that crystal into the auric field of my uh client you know who I'm working with and just as the other crystals were in the room now this crystal is also in the room you know yes. and it's just It's just so amazing because I think it ties together. It's like we have the power to do these things. We really do, you know. It's yes. it's there's infinite possibilities. Frequency really and vibrations and and because like the Santeria because they believe in that that they have to go to that extent to, you know, to to um I don't even like to say it but like with the animals you know sacrifice the animals but, mm-hmm. the, but they believe that it's a belief system and when they do it it works right mm-hmm. but if I don't believe that then it won't it wouldn't make any sense for me to do it, you know? exactly so, different but, strokes for different folks <laughs> we, we can create different rituals and we can we we and I think that's why like rituals are really powerful um I really do don't you think I completely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So, Nicole was in one. I want to talk about <laughs> the class that you taught as well because you Nicole, I want I want you to share your experience too. But first, I want to can we start with you maybe like 
Can you talk us through it and the listeners through a class? I mean, you don't have to give all the details, but just a little bit so we have an idea. Like, are you guys laying down in this class Nicole was? It was an astral travel class, right? Mm-hmm. Are you guys laying yes. down or are you sitting or how does it work? Um, do you want me to explain or do you want Nicole? Yeah, yeah, no, you can explain. Then I'm going to have her tell us, like, her experience and share with, with <laughs> you and everyone. <laughs> okay. Well, typically the past two years at Okeechobee Fest, I was given two hours. Um, and in my workshops that I te- teach in South Florida, I always do two hours. But they had cut it short to do an hour. So I had to condense everything into an hour. Um, so for me, as a teacher, it was a challenge and I love challenges. So I, for the first 30 minutes, I spoke about thought forms, um, the different stages of out-of-body or astral projection. And, the, uh, and I talked about Dr. Masuro Emoto and the different herbs that are in the tea. So we did a ritual around a tea, basically a tea ceremony, solidifying the belief that we're going to have an out-of-body experience using water as a medium and plant medicines to assist us in that journey. Um, and there's 12 different tea, uh, there's 12 different herbs inside of it, along with monoatomic gold um, or white powder gold or ormus. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but if the listeners are in, interested in that, I'd highly recommend doing some research on that. It's O-R-M-U-S. I'm not going to go too much into that, but um, then I had everyone sit down. They held the tea in their hand, and we did a small little ritual where we send a ball of light into the water, um, setting the intention. And then we drink the tea, sit for about two minutes, and then afterwards I have everyone lay on their back. We go through yoga nidra, which gets them to the relaxation phase because there's four phases of of astral projection or out-of-body experiences. And it is relaxation. Then there's vibration stage, which is once you have the relaxation and you're keeping the body still for as, as long as you possibly can without itching or moving, you'll start to feel tingly sensations. The correlation or not the correlation, the analogy I like to use is kind of like a camera aperture. When you take a photo of something and you hold the aperture of the camera open for a longer period of time, you absorb more light. You see more things. The same thing is with your body. When you keep your body as still as possible without moving, without itching, you begin to feel more things than you normally would. And once you get to that stage, you'll begin to feel vibrations or tingly sensations either at the top of the head, the forehead, the fingertips, the toes, anything like that for that matter. And then after that, after you feel the vibration stage, then you move on to the third stage, which is visualization. So you begin to visualize a certain thing that I, I guide them through, uh, which is a visualization of rising above their bodies or below or to the left or to the right. And then the fourth one is having the out-of-body itself. Um, the third stage, though, I always let the students know that every single person, just like a ritual, you require your own specific key that works for you. So if I were to say to someone, you know, I want you to visualize you, a second version of yourself that's floating right above you. If the person that's visualizing that doesn't believe that, it's not going to work for them. So they have to have a visualization that works for them to come out of their physical body. One of my students that I've had, and I've taught this class about 140 times now um, in South Florida and different festivals, they had spoken to me afterwards that they asked for one of their deceased relatives to lift them up out of their body. And that worked for them because that's what they believed. That's what the intuition called to them to do. So that's their key. I call it the key. Everyone has their own specific key to come out of their body. And then, um, and then what happens when you're like coming out of your body? Like, I'm just so curious, like at that point, then it's like people just kind of feel whatever they feel or do you stop guiding them or? 
Well, that's that varies. Uh, from that point, they can do whatever they want. Generally, what ends up happening based on my experience and people have talking to me after the class is they'll pop out of their body real quick or they move one portion of their limb and it falls below the ground or above the ground and they get scared and they come back in their body again because they're not used to that feeling. Wow. Because it's like so like, whoa. Right. Yes. Yep. It's very jarring if you haven't experienced it before. It's kind of like the sensation, I'm sure people have experienced this, where you're in bed, you're going to sleep, and all of a sudden you feel like you're falling through the bed and you shoot up, you're like, what just, ha- what just happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that, I've had that happen to me a lot of times. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, whoa, so I feel like I'm falling or something. <laughs> it's that same feeling. Okay. So um, let's see, Nicole, because I know like you, it would be so cool if you could share with us and him your experience a little bit and maybe ask see if you have any questions. Okay, yeah. So I, too, have been to Okeechobee the past three years, uh, but this was the first year where I was decided that I was going to kind of venture off on my own and go to Okeechobee more often than I did the, pa- the first two years. Uh, so I'd been doing that, and my guy friend wanted to come along with me. And so we, we went to your class, and uh, I thought that you did a really great job of condensing everything within that one hour. I feel like I learned a lot, and I know that my friend, I don't, he, I don't think he's ever been in a class such yeah. as that before. So he, that kind of opened up a door, a door to a new world for him. Um, and I did have a question, though, before I kind of describe my mini experience. Uh, I remember you talking about uh, the shadow at some point. Mm. Do you remember that? Yes. Do do can you? Because that spoke. Uh, that's something that I have been like kind of in fear of, and or that was a fear of mine about a few weeks ago. And I've just been getting messages and messages and messages messages. Um, from many different friends and acquaintances about how, like how to not fear that and to love that and how to accept that. So can you explain a little bit about the shadow? Are you referring to the shadow beings? Like when you have like uh, sleep paralysis and you wake up in the middle of the night, you don't have to control your body and you see the shadow figures like outside your bed? No, or are you more referring of, like, to the, the shadow, shadow inside ourselves. Like okay. Um, well, the shadow essentially is aspects of us that we refuse to acknowledge, and it can be different emotions. And in the astral plane, it'll be reflected as either a shadow being or whatever it is that you fear the most, to be honest. Um, for me, when I would have out-of-body experiences, I would have a ball of light that would tr- turn into a physical demon, and it would look crazy to me, and I, I would always be afraid, and I would come back into my body. And this was during the time when I was in, uh, I was a prepper, meaning I really thought the financial system and the government was going to collapse. The reason why I'm sharing this is because there's a huge story of protection in this. I felt like I had to protect myself in many different ways, using crystals, using guns. I ended up purchasing three different guns and teaching myself how to make my own ammunition, my own bullets. Um... And I always talk about this in my workshops because I feel it's very important what I'm about to say. It's if you feel that you have to protect yourself from something and you're solidifying that belief by 
by using protection crystals, black crystals, whatever it is that you want to do to, to solidify that. You are creating the ritual and you're solidifying that belief that you have to protect yourself. So the way that the universe works is if you create your reality, which we do, and you are solidifying that belief that you have to protect yourself from something, you are then creating the opposite spectrum of the thing that you have to protect yourself from. So does that make sense? Yes. No, I, that's exactly what I needed to hear again. That's exactly what I was thinking about. And you also said that we are the healers of our own. We heal ourselves. We are the ultimate yes. healers of our bodies. Yes. And I learned that through Reiki and some people who are listening to this, they may disagree with what I'm about to say, but Reiki, we don't necessarily do anything to anyone. We are just a placeholder for that person to believe that they're being healed and they're believing it. It's a ritual for them. And what, because they believe it, they are healing themselves and we are just a placeholder for that. Yes, you're so right. Yes. Um, thank you for explaining that again because that was, that was a message that really spoke to me during the workshop. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed your your class that day, and so did my guy friend. And um, I guess I'll explain it a little bit. So I just remember I was drinking the tea um, and laying down. And for me, it was I had done yoga nidra before, only once before. And this time, I got such a greater understanding of it. I remember laying there. I'm somebody who can't stand still at all, by the way. Like, I'm constantly moving some part of my body and I've just recently learned the how to how to, st how to be still um, mm. which is a pretty big thing for me in itself so during that workshop when we were laying down and you you, you emphasized several times about staying still my I was still the entire 30 minutes I believe that we were in yoga nidra and but my body was vibrating insanely like I, I could not I, and I would try to control it and then it would keep going so I think that it was definitely the beginning of me to if I would have allowed myself or maybe had a little bit more time I could have come out of my body very easily because I was for at least 20 minutes vibrating there in the grass and then my guy friend's experience was that he was melting into the ground Mm -hmm. Yeah. So wow. I, I know that's not a long story, but <laughs> it was definitely uh, I it was definitely an eye opening for me and had again was a greater understanding for yoga nidra yoga nidra and astral travel and I'm I'm really excited to continue these practices. Beautiful. Yeah, that sensation, that vibration sensation, I let people know that when you keep the body still, you begin to feel things that you normally wouldn't. And for the outsider that doesn't believe in vibration or frequency, it'll sound kind of funny. Oh, you feel vibration. What does that even mean? Well, the best thing I could do to describe it is if you are sitting on your leg and it falls asleep, that tingly sensation is very similar to that, um, but it's not that. It's just a different sensation than that. And what you're, end, what you're really feeling, the times that you really have to itch or move the body, 
you're feeling your meridian system in your in your body. You're feeling the energetic ways of how the energy is flowing. Because science has shown us that, and you could Google this, science has shown us that no two physical objects ever really touch. There is always a space in between the objects. So what that is saying, by you itching something or using your finger to itch the top of your left hand, all you're doing is you're using a form of energy to move the other form of energy so that it's unblocked. Um, And that's a really big key thing to know because when you know that and you understand that, you can use your thought, your intention to alleviate certain itching sensations. I personally still am working on that. Um, there's times when it gets so strong, I'm like, oh, I really have to itch this. But for the most part, I have allowed myself to use my thought to move the energy forward. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure my body temperature dropped pretty significantly. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of it was coming from. And so, and when your body temperature drops like that, you go into a healing state. Is that correct? And um, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> um, well, that is something that I did notice also from teaching this. I didn't know this until I started teaching it uh, or started, started experiencing it and then hearing other people that they had the same thing that their temperature drops and it feels like that's a lot colder it could be super hot in a room and all of a sudden you're super cold so when i have these workshops going on there's blankets and there's also pillows because when you do this practice if you don't have anything behind your head your head feels so heavy um and it's it's quite painful if you don't have anything there um but in terms of the healing that i'm not sure i I that's the first time i've heard of that but if you can elaborate more i would love to hear more um, well, I mean, for all the listeners, I, we were in, we were out in the, uh, we were outside and it's in Florida during the middle of March or the beginning of March. So it was pretty hot outside and I was, my body temperature dropped like that. But I, to me, I thought that this was, it was a very, even though I did not travel, it was a very healing experience. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. That's uh, thank you so much for sharing, Nicole, and thank you so much for um, elaborating on you know the experience, um, David. Uh, you mentioned the shadow. It's funny you mentioned that because I feel like I needed to hear that about the sh- you know before when she was asking the other question, but you talked about the shadow beings, and I've always um, wondered about those shadow beings. So I'm really uh, interested in your. Uh, viewpoint on that when people wake up in the middle of the night and they see these shadow beings by their bed or and some people have gotten like super scared you know I was reading I forgot the name of the book I think it's a book the 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 guy who wrote it is called Jason something I don't know if you know the book I'm talking about and but anyway it's like he he had a lot of experiences like that and it freaked him out for a while, you know, and I know it freaks a lot of people out. So what do you think about all that? Well, it all depends on what it is that the person's creating to learn from because every experience is created to learn something from it. So for the majority of the stories that I've heard about the shadow beings, I personally have not experienced the shadow beings before, but I have experienced other thought forms that were just as scary for me and those shadow beings are just aspects of yourselves that are wanting your attention that are wanting your love that are wanting your forgiveness that are wanting your your awareness to it so when we come 
out of our bodies, we'll see these things and we're like, oh, what is that? No, I don't want to acknowledge that. That's super scary. Fear, fear, fear. And those thought forms or those beings will be represented and they will reflect back to you something that you fear. So it'll be that. The other thing is if you genuinely feel in your heart, like after you get past the fear portion of it, if you genuinely feel in your heart that these are beings that are malicious, all you have to do is just look directly at them and extend your love and gratitude to them. There's nothing else that you have to do because beyond that, they're not able to harm you. They're not able to do anything to you because it's like, it's like if a person is instigating a fight, they'll get up in your face and because you're not doing anything, they won't, they won't do anything to you. It's the same thing. I had a, some, a very interesting story about this one thought form that I share in my class that it turned into a demon and it got up in my face and this is, it, it was laughing and grinning right in front of me and I was in super fear mode and I had the choice of going back into my body or standing my ground and by standing my ground, I looked at it and I vocalized in my mind, I love you. And once I did that, it started laughing and then it disappeared because there's nothing else that it can do from that point. All it wants to do is feed off your energy or um, basically get a rise out of you. So once you acknowledge it, it will go away and you, you've just healed that aspect of yourself. I love that. And I also think about it also like as expanding my body light. And I think it's similar to what you said about connecting to the heart and really kind of um, almost like you can raise your vibration and your, your energy bubble you know, or my auric field uh, expansion and expand it more and fill it with light. And then just looking at that being and just, like you said, just, you know, acknowledging it. And then once we do that, like no one can really penetrate our auric field or our energy bubble, you know, because we have the power to, yes. we have the power to heal mm -hmm. ourselves. We have the power to contain, we have the power to, create that amount of light and really, you know, being the shield and the shield that we can create, which is great. Yes. Because we're always interacting anyways with everyone's energetic uh, shield as well or whatever you want to call it, you know. Yes, we are. Yeah. We're all connected. We are. We're all connected. Um, yeah, well, I, w I just want to say I would love to uh, host you at my yoga studio in New Orleans and we can, you know, and whenever um, it's good for you and we can talk more about that, it would be a pleasure because I feel like you have so much to offer the communities of wherever you go that um, it's wonderful to see also how you have incorporated all these different modalities that are all connected under you know, an umbrella, but they're, um, you're really sort of um, coming into all of each and every one of them and giving them their own love and respect and working with, with them separately and together. And that's, that's really powerful and it's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to uh, share with us before we leave or with the listeners or any kind of new revelations that you had? <laughs> um, I, the most recent thing that I personally learned, it was on my Costa Rica trip, which I went from the 14th to the 28th and it was surrendering and letting go. And it has to do with my significant other. Um, 
her and I were going through some issues. And, well, not, it wasn't really an issue, honestly. It was her wanting to have her own independence. And because of the attachment I had with the stories that I created in the future, um, based on her decision of wanting to be single, uh, it brought up a lot of issues for me. And I ended up going to the Costa Rica trip still with her and along with three other friends. And what I learned through that is really just love each moment that you're in without putting any expectation as to how you want that moment to be. And you'll feel so much, uh, so much freer, I guess you could say, because I didn't have any expectation of how that trip was going to go. And because I didn't have any expectation, she now wants to be back in the relationship with me because she realized that she can also ha find her independence while being in a relationship. And that was only, that would have only happened if I didn't create a story of how that particular trip was going to go. Wow. I mean, everything that you said right now, it's like, I feel like that could be a whole podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And it's like, how many of us go through that? Holy cows. Yeah. But it's Her and so I actually hard. Teach, uh, it is hard. Her and I actually teach conscious relationship workshops together. You do? Oh, yep. my God. Yeah, that would be really cool. Maybe I could interview both of you one, guys, uh, one day about that. Because I feel like that is so important, you know? Conscious relationships, sacred sex, and, and so on, which we don't talk about it enough, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, another key, oh, you just mentioned it, but something that I really want to share, and it's the basis of Tantra and whatever uh, sacred sexuality, please, when you guys decide to be intimate with someone or have sex with someone, set an intention before you do it. Set an intention of where you want to direct that sexual energy to. Don't just do it for the carnal desire of it, because when you set intentions towards the orgasm or really dedicate where you want that energy to go, you can manifest things so quickly. Her and I, by doing that, we manifested a trip to go to Peru, and we also manifested the Costa Rica trip using our sexual energy. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. I'm so, I'm so, so happy that you said that right now. Um, it's actually an area that I'm very passionate about because I really feel that um, – you know, like our sexuality, sexual energy is, is divine. And when we partake in that um, communion with someone else, it's really, it is a sacred moment, you know. And, and when uh, there is no intention there and there's no sacredness because people are being promiscuous or whatever, um, especially for us women, and I'm sure for everyone else too. I don't know. I just don't know how it is for a man, but I know how it is for a woman because I'm a woman. But you know, for us, it's like we're really giving a lot of ourselves, and and it's not just nothing. It's a big deal to sleep with anyone. You know, it's a big deal. But in our society, sometimes just take is just so taken light lightly. You know, when in reality, it's like it's not a light thing. It's it's something that it should be approached with um, a lot of like deep love, divine love and sacred space. And, you know, again, like you said, setting that intention and that boundary, we really it's um, sacred. That's that's what <laughs> I'm thinking, you know. Yeah. And you're right. I can actually Daniela and I, that's her name. We could totally talk for a long time just on sex, sacred sexuality because of the things that her and I have learned throughout that process. 
Okay, well, let's do that. Um, talk to her, and let's just definitely do that uh, sometime soon. I'm, I'm sure, like everyone who's listening, you would love an episode like that too. And uh, let's definitely uh, stay in touch and connect, David. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you, and thank you so much, Nicole, as well, for joining us. Yes, thank you, thank you. And David. And and wait, oh, the most important. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or host a workshop or do you guys have an Instagram? How do we do that? Yep. I have all of those things. I'm very keen on my social media and marketing because I mean, that's what I do for a living. So, um, if you want to find me on Facebook, it's the water magister, M A G I S T E R. My website is the water My Instagram is the water magister. Also, um, I do different poetries on Instagram um, I do private events and bookings as well from my website. You can uh, send me a message there. I also have a program called uh, Wizards Bootcamp Level 1, Level 2, Level 3, where it teaches different fundamentals of reality, reality creation using frameworks of ritual, sigil magic, um, and emotional intelligence. So if you're interested in any of those, feel free to send me a message or contact me. Yeah, that although I'm interested in all of them, so are you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we will include um, your contact, all of that, the places to get a hold of you on the show notes as well for everyone. Okay, awesome. And David, I'm actually using your business card as my uh, bookmark for my book, The Lost Languages of Plants. Nice. And I really <laughs> love your message on there. It says, remember who you are. So, yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. Thank you for all your messages and um, yeah, I always uh, I I have I always say on my uh, sometimes I you know my signature on my emails I put I am Natalie Craw. Never forget who you are. <laughs> yes. And Affirmations are amazing. Yeah, David Rodriguez. Thank you so much, and thank you, Nicole. Thanks everyone thank for listening on Life on Earth. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to Life on Earth. You can help us by taking a few minutes to leave a rating and review on iTunes. For more inspiring content, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Search Life on Earth in iTunes or visit lifeonearth.podbean.com.